We begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, your brothers and sisters in Christ, on this wonderful Sunday morning. Thank you, kids. Uh, that's a great lead-in to a sermon, right? If God is for us, who can be against us? Um, as I mentioned earlier, we are on the very last sermon in our sermon series, um, where we... I almost wanted to use the term where we're going to kind of wrap it up or put a bow on it, but the truth is, um, it's just the beginning for us in our Christian living. But I think our topic today, when we talk about what does it look like to be uh, a, a mature Christian in our lives within a church and within the world around us, um, I think that's absolutely an important thing for us to consider as believers, and that's, that's what we want to look at today. So um, what does that mean for us, and, and how does it kind of play out in our lives? Uh, we're going to start with this, though. Uh, any of you Chicken Nugget fans? Okay, yeah, okay. So um, um, I am as well. Some of you know that I was maybe too much of a fan for a while, and uh, if you eat too many Chicken Nuggets, you become a larger fan of Chicken Nuggets. <laughs> Uh, okay, so those of you that admitted that you like chicken nuggets, uh, here's, here's my compliment. You're, you're kind of young at heart, okay? You're young at heart. Now, here's why. Um, chicken nuggets originally were designed and intended for guess who? Children. Yeah, for children, right? Yep. Um, and if you've ever eaten chicken nuggets, if you're kind of a little bit of a fan of chicken nuggets, um, have you ever noticed that there is a consistency in the shape of the chicken nuggets? Okay, now you're going in your mind, you're thinking that last time you had nuggets. You're like, yeah, okay. Um, now, you might also be going through and saying, do you have a favorite shape? You ought to know, this, this is, is probably more thinking on it than I, but my favorite of the four, hands down my entire life, has always been the boot. There's something about the boot, like you can put the, the, the toe of the boot for your first dip, right? No mess. Right? Take that bite and then like something about the angle of it. Okay. So after the we can argue about which is the best shape. Um, but they have four distinct shapes. So if you get chicken nuggets, no matter how many you get, you're never getting more than those four shapes. As I mentioned, um, that was intentional as well. So this was from uh, one of the directors from McDonald's. Um, they asked him about chicken nuggets. And he said, our chicken nuggets are shaped uniquely for kids and kids at heart. It makes dipping them more fun, okay? So somebody put their mind to it and said, okay, we're going to create chicken nuggets for kids, and we're even going to create shapes of chicken nuggets for kids, right, uh, to make dipping a little bit more fun. Um, so those of you that said you like chicken nuggets, you're, you are their exact target. You are the kids at heart, right? Um, but here's what we also know about chicken nuggets. Uh, Sometimes too much of a good thing is just too much. Uh, in 2012, there was a, a girl named Stacy Irvine. Um, she was 17 years old at that time. Uh, and and um, she was at work and she actually passed out. And paramedics came, this was in Britain, paramedics came uh, and they were trying to figure out exactly why she passed out, what were the causes. Uh, she had a few symptoms, so number one, she passed out. Uh, number two, they had, she had inflamed veins on her tongue, okay, uh, and then general anemia. So the doctors are kind of going through their checklist, why would this young, healthy 17-year-old pass out? Uh, what they came to find out is that she's never eaten anything other than chicken nuggets since the age of two. Okay? So, 
we like chicken nuggets, but if that's all you eat, it's not a healthy way to live, right? Uh, it actually caused health issues for her, so high sodium intake, anemia, um, and eventually passing out. She said she had never tasted fruit or vegetables, okay? Um, maybe that's a good example. I think there are times when we are tempted uh, to indulge only in the things that maybe our desires move us towards, or even at times only in the things that some marketer somewhere says was intended for kids, but we stick with it, right? Today we have to ask that of ourselves and our own hearts spiritually, right? Um, where are we at uh, within our souls and, and spiritually, right? Are we infants or are we mature? The Apostle Paul wants to move us towards maturity. And actually, this has nothing to do with whether you eat chicken nuggets or not. Some of you are already hungry. I know you're going to stop at McDonald's on your way home. Um, but spiritually speaking, Paul and, even, and Christ want us to move towards maturity, not be infants that are tossed back and forth in our Christian living. So today, that's what we want to look at. We want to talk about um, what does it look like to be immature versus mature, to be an infant versus a, um, in, in some sense, a spiritually mature or a spiritual adult, okay? So uh, today, we're going to have kind of three points. Uh, as I mentioned, God-lived life is mature. Uh, we want to talk about how we've been made alive, made to mature, so this is a process. Um, and then lastly, how God has made us for each other. So that's what we want to look at. Uh, you're welcome to follow along with me if you would like. So in your bulletin, or I'll have a few verses on the screen here as well. So I'm going to start by reading just verse 15. The Apostle Paul says, Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. Now, um, I kind of picked this verse out from our little bit larger section uh, that we were talking about because this, in some sense, encapsulates everything that we're going to talk about, but it also is connecting us back to something that has already happened that powers um, uh, um, us even thinking or considering about becoming more mature in our Christian living. Um, so verse 15, specifically, Paul says, um, who is the head that is Christ? So really what he's doing in our text, and ours is from chapter 4, he's actually pointing back to something that he already mentioned to us in chapter 2, and I'm going to read that for you here. So uh, chapter 2, verses 4 through 5, Paul says this, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Okay. We focus in specifically on that phrase, made us alive. So what does that mean for you and I? Paul is really, uh, um, and in the book of Ephesians, was kind of laying the groundwork uh, for, for how we can even consider ourselves not only Christians, but maybe mature Christians, and even ask the question, um, how do we live our lives in a way that gives glory to God and looks to love and serve the neighbors around us? Now, remember, we've had three other sermons where we kind of talked about that, um, but we dare not miss this point of what Paul is saying. Um, that we have been, you have been made alive in Christ. So I'm going to say it even this way. Like, um, we, on our own, we aren't just spiritually immature. We're dead. 
That's what Paul says earlier in Ephesians. We're not just um, maybe, maybe just not having all the facts or we're, we're not just early in our journey. We're not on a journey at all. Paul says, you're not just immature, you're actually spiritually dead. We were spiritually dead. Um, there's nothing we would like more than to be our own gods, to make our own choices. And in a spiritual sense, uh, maybe eat chicken nuggets our entire life, right? Paul says that's where we are, that's where we were, that's who we were. Not just immature, but actually dead. And so when Paul says that you have been made alive in Christ, it means that something remarkable has happened, that that your hearts have been changed from death to life, right? Not just from immaturity to maturity, but from death to life. Um, sometimes we use the phrase, you were born again, right? Um, you have a, a new life in Christ, a life that looks to live your life to God's glory and thankfulness rather than the life of death that we came from. And maybe a potted plant is a good illustration for that. Uh, essentially, a plant where growth is going to happen is planted in death. It is, right? Soil is decomposed matter. It is planted in death, and yet incredible growth comes from it. And so that's our very first point that Paul drives home and that um, we we dare not miss. Um, We we cannot have any hope of, of maturing in our faith, of putting into practice some of these things until we know not only how immature but how spiritually dead we were and what Christ has done for us on the cross. In fact, Christ's death is what has made you alive. As he gave his life on the cross to wash our sins away. Not just wash away our immaturity or our mistakes, but wash away death. Right? We know scripture says that that is exactly why Christ came. To break the back and the power of Satan and death. He did that at the cross through his resurrection. And he's done that in you. In your hearts. Hearts that at one point had no care, no interest in a God above or in living life in a mature, selfless way. That's changed, right? That is what we call the gospel. And here's the really amazing thing about the gospel. It not only says, um, here's what's been done for you in Christ. But the fantastic thing about the gospel is it also empowers you for your Christian living. So when God comes to us and says, "Uh -uh, live life in this way to give me thanks, the gospel not only reassures us that we are forgiven, but it also empowers us to live in the way that says thanks to our God above. So um, it's not God just sending us some instructions and saying you're on your own. It's Christ entering into our world and into our lives and saying I will pick you up and carry you to eternity and through this life. And so... When we talk about Christian maturity, it's not that we are just immature. It's that we were dead and we've been made alive again in Christ, right? Ephesians 2 says exactly that, that we have been made, you have been made alive in Christ, okay? So that's the foundation that we build on. So let's read verse 14 then from our text. 14 says this, Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming, okay? So Paul is saying, being built on this, 
uh, um, this is what I desire for you. This is what we strive for. This is what the gospel empowers us to be and to do in our lives, right? Um, that we are not infants tossed, blown, um, falling for teachings those that are, uh, from those that are cunning and craftiness and deceit that we find. Now, Paul kind of uses this illustration of, of uh, um, immaturity versus maturity, infants versus uh, adults, right? And what that can kind of look like. Um, some of you maybe, do you remember these as kids? You know what these are? Yeah, there's a song too. If you said it, you have to sing the song. No, you don't have to sing the song. There was a song, right? Or a phrase? Okay, weebles wobble, but they don't fit. Um, um, I, think, I, I think that this is dating those of us that know what weeble wobbles are a little bit. Because I don't think our kids actually play with them anymore. But weeble wobbles basically are just that, right? You knock them over, they pop back up, right? Um, but there's no solidity to them. They're always moving to and from, back and forth. I think that's the picture that Paul is giving to us. Um, of, of what a spiritual infant is. Now, understand, um, Paul's talking slightly different than how we maybe normally view maturity. So he's not necessarily talking about psychological maturity, physical maturity, uh, um, or any of those things, although those, I think, are encapsulated in us as human beings. But specifically, Paul is urging us as believers toward spiritual maturity, right? Spiritual growth. Um, and, and, and ultimately, that's what he wants from us, not to be tipped back and forth as the wind comes and goes, but to have solidity and, and our feet underneath us. Now, what exactly does that look like? Um, I think Paul uses that, that maybe that image of an infant um, versus that image of maturity. Right? And, and in some ways, he says, don't be this, but then there's also the opposite kind of positive side to it as well. Um, and he gives us that picture, right? Um, so what, what are infants? How do infants interact with their world? Well, we kind of know. In fact, even these kids know, right? They're sitting here like, yeah, we're so mature compared to those babies, right? <laughs> those babies, someday they're going to find out how this world is, right? Drink a cup of coffee, like these kids, right? And they very much felt, right, that the and they understood what babies were, right? Um, we understand what kids are and how they interact with their world. Um, and there is a lot of this back and forth, right? Um, one minute giggling, the next minute crying and screaming. Right? Now, bring that into our everyday lives as adults. The truth is, I think there are times when we're not far off of that, are we? When uh, we choose to act like spiritual infants in our lives and to the people around us. When we use words to scream and hurt and tear down and fight and to hold grudges and to belittle. Right? When we, we go headlong into, uh, let's say, the latest fad, the latest thinking, abandoning everything that came before. Right? Um, the opposite of that is maturity, isn't it? And maturity isn't um, that we aren't able to enjoy the things of this world or our lives, but maturity says, um, and when we in interact with someone that's mature, we know what we're getting from them. That they're not erratic all over the place, hot and cold. One minute you're best friend, the next minute 
cutting you down to the core, right? Maturity means that, that we are consistent, consistently loving in our words, in our actions, how we treat the people around us. Um, maturity means that we take the long view of things, that every single one of our lives um, is inundated with both triumphs and tragedies, but maturity says we're taking the long view, the eternal view, right, which has already been one for us in Christ. And so maturity, uh, um, that is what it looks like. It is stable, it is consistent, it is patient. In the words we use, the words we choose not to use, in our relationships, in our families, in our neighborhoods, and in our community, okay? So infants versus mature. I think the second way, infants are remarkably self-centered. Now, I'm not calling all your children or my children selfish, but babies are a little bit selfish, right? right? We, we express ourselves. We, we can become a little self-centered when we are younger. Where we believe in some form or fashion, maybe the world revolves around me, my feelings, my emotions, and what I'm doing in any given moment, right? So we would say uh, um, immaturity is... is quite often pretty selfish. Not looking for the needs and the good of the people around you, but looking for your own good. Now the opposite is true as well, isn't it? Maturity says, you know what? Taking the long view, I'm going to give of myself to the people around me. With my words, with how I treat people, and even quite honestly, just with my presence, I'm going to, to, to bring uh, um, love and forgiveness and selflessness to those environments. Maturity says, I'm going to put the love of my wife or my husband before myself. I'm going to put my love for my neighbors in my community or on my street above of my love for myself. I'm going to put my love for my God and the people around me before my love for myself. That's a mature way to look at living, and that's a spiritually mature place that Paul wants us to be, okay? The last one, and I think this one is maybe the most important, although I think they're all important. Um, the last one, I think spiritual infants quite often use love in a contingent or strings-based, strings-attached-based way, okay? So I think infants use love as a lever to get what they want. Does that make sense? So I think spiritual infants will use this concept of love or what look, may look like love in very much a quid pro quo kind of way. I'll love you as long as you do for me in equal measure. I'll give you love if I get it back, but the minute you stop returning in the way that I expect it, you can guess what's gonna happen. I'll cut you off, out of my life, out of my relationships, out of my heart, other than maybe holding on to anger, but done, right? That is conditional love. To be honest, uh, in some sense, it's, it's, it's love that is being used for your own purposes, not for the sake of love itself and the people around you. That's spiritual infancy. Spiritual maturity, what does love look like there? Well, the best example and place we can look to is the cross. Selfless, giving, sacrificial. Spiritually mature 
for us as believers is giving of ourselves to the people around us, not because of what they can do for us or how it makes us feel, but because of, of our love for them, because of how we've seen and been shown love by our God above. That is sacrificial love, that is unconditional love, that is giving love, right? Paul says that is how we can show the love of our Lord, is by actually living in a way that gives rather than using it to get. That's what Paul urges us towards, away from infancy toward maturity. I think that's what it can look like in our lives. Now, how easy is that? Yeah, that's the hard part, isn't it? Right? Maybe all of us sitting here are saying, I'd like to be that way, but it's remarkably hard at times to live in that way. And so what tools does God give us? We're in luck. He actually doesn't leave us alone. Oh, there's our dancing air guy. <laughs> Read verse 15. <clears throat> Paul says this, Instead, Speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So speaking the truth in love grows and builds itself up in love. So there's two things I think going on here. Um, The first is is that Paul is recognizing um, and taking a mature view of how hard it is to live our lives as Christians and to balance those things. Speak the truth in love. Not just speak the truth in order to gain an advantage or manipulate or beat somebody down, but speak the truth in love. Right? And someone once said that um, truth without love isn't loving at all, and love without truth isn't loving at all either. Right? Uh, um, so this is our, our, our balance as believers, right? that we are willing to speak the truth in love. And that doesn't mean all chicken nuggets. That means spiritual meat. right? That means spiritual depth. And where do we find that? Well, we find that on the pages of Scripture. So the more we are in God's Word, the more we gain spiritual maturity and solid food and are able then to, to put that into practice in the lives in which we live. And today is maybe a good example of the other joy we get. We get to do that together, right? It's kind of remarkable. Um, Churches aren't the creation of humans. They're the creation of our God above. And he says that we can do things together that we couldn't do on our own. Sometimes it's like running a Christian high school, something we couldn't do locally, but we can do and be a part of. But for us as believers, that's why we're a part of congregation, is that we are able to to love and put speaking the truth and love into action in the lives of each other as fellow believers. Iron sharpening iron, maturing, right, and carrying us along that Christian journey. And we get to do that. You get to do that. No one's forcing you to be here this morning, I don't think. If someone's forcing you to be here, blink slowly twice. No, I'm just kidding. Um, No one's forcing you to be here. You are adults. You made a choice to come here, right? So we also get to make the choice to love and speak the truth to one another um, in love. 
to let iron sharpen iron as we mature and as we share Christ with not only a spiritually um, um, immature world around us, but a spiritually dead world around us. I think more than ever before, our world needs mature Christians that are willing to live sacrificially in the world and in the places that we live. And that's not always easy. Um, here's a quote from C.S. Lewis. He said, I didn't go to religion, become a Christian, to make me happy. I always knew a bottle of port wine would do that. If you want a religion to make you feel really comfortable, I certainly don't recommend Christianity. The point he's getting at there is that there is spiritual meat on the pages of Scripture and within us and our lives, and we thank God for it because he gives us greater insight into who we are, the world around us, and most importantly, what he's done for us sacrificially on the cross. And so as we leave here this morning, as we finish this, as we move into the season of Lent, my prayer for you, for us, is that, that we, in an ever-increasing way, move towards spiritual maturity, loving our God above, loving one enough selflessly, and reaching out to those that are spiritually dead and lost within our world and within our community. Amen.